Welcome to the Purpose and Profit Sisterhood podcast, where we are a stand for the EAN. We're here to help you make a meaningful difference in a magnificent living. Your bodacious host is Jeanette Anderson. She's your irreverent guide to being bold, brilliant, and brave. So grab your wine, a way to take notes, and strap in. Because this is a no BS, value-packed tour through topics that you need to know about now. Hello and welcome everybody to this episode of the Bodacity Show, where we support you in creating your bold business and your bold life. Today I have the fabulous Desiree Argentina, which is a great name, with me, and we're going to be talking about the ever so lovely topic of grief. Now, I know that that might, you know, scare some of you off and you don't want to talk about it, but it's a part of life. And if we don't have support for how to move through it, it can get really challenging. And so I'm glad you're here today to help us with this, you know, can be heavy topic so that we can get some perspectives on how to really maintain healthy mental wellness. Um, So, and this is a big part of it. So thank you and welcome Desiree. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And so I'm going to read you, as you know, her official bio, then we'll find out the juicy real tidbits behind the scenes, and then we'll launch into the topic. Um, So uh, Desiree Argentina is a licensed political social worker that is passionate about spreading mental health awareness and wants everyone to know how important it is to take care of their mental health. She is the podcast host of The Wellness Project with Des, where each week she interviews experts in the fields of mental health and wellness, as well as those that have struggled with their mental health on the podcast. The topics that are discussed include anxiety, addiction, relationships, trauma, mental illness, wellness, self-care, depression, and so much more. Desiree hopes to help those that are struggling with their mental health by helping them feel less alone and empowered by providing you with resources, tips, and advice on how to overcome your struggles with your mental health. So, so, so important. Um, And I have people for you for your podcast. (laughs) Oh, great. That would be wonderful. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. All right. Now, that's a lot of kind of heavy topics and so forth. We're going to launch into some of those really important, though, because every single person on the planet deals with one or more of those at some point in their life. So, or multiple points in their life. Um, So tell me uh, something about you that we wouldn't guess by uh, looking on your website or hearing your bio. What's something that would surprise people? Um, I would say probably that I'm a big, crazy cat lady. Um, My (laughs) boyfriend and I, we run a cat rescue on the side. Um, We have been uh, about 10 years now and There's always a million cats in and out of my house. We do fostering, we work with shelters, um, we socialize kittens, but we also, a big part of what we do is TNR, which is trap, neuter, return. So we go out, we trap stray cats that are feral. So they're not, they're wild. They're not able to be adopted. They're not able to be in homes. Um, I equate them to like raccoons. Um, And um, yeah, they're not able to be pets, but they are contributing to the overpopulation. So we bring them in, get them fixed and return them. They usually have a caretaker. Somebody usually is there to feed them and that's who contacts us. So that's a big part of what I do. Oh, that's awesome. I actually haven't heard of a TNR program before. That's really cool. Um, Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm sure your friends have all gotten you crazy cat lady shirts and t-shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> oh yeah. And I can never have enough. <laughs> That's so cute. All right. So tell me, um, what is your why around this? How did you get into this topic? How did you get into this kind of work? Yeah. So I was really interested in, I've always been interested in mental health. And I think, um, because from a young age, I really struggled with my mental health, but there were really no words for it. There were really no classes on it in school as there are now. And, you know, I work in a school right now and that's what I do. And, um, they're just, I had a lot of anxiety. I was very quiet. I struggled with depression and, um, I knew I, I really liked the heavy topics. I was drawn to them. I was always watching. I was a big movie person. I was always watching movies about trauma and things like that, but I never had a word for trauma. So I ended up volunteering um, and um, at a, at a um, nonprofit and it just opened up my world. And so once I got a job, I decided I wanted to be a social worker. I got a job at an outpatient mental health clinic on the children's unit and I just found that so much of what I was working with, with the kids and their families was grief and not just the grief about like the death of a loved one or, you know, a lot with the kids was they would bring up their loss of their pet, but, um, all different kinds of grief. Some of them would, were removed from their family. Some of them were living with a grandparent grief over, you know, a family member's addiction. Um, there's there, it just was coming up in so many sessions and it's not something a lot of people talk about and it's something that people are very uncomfortable with. But like you said, it's a part of life and it's something we all experience at some time or another. Um, and so I just kind of became passionate about grief. And one of my goals is I do want to work in hospice in the future. Um, I am just really drawn to that end of life um, care. And I was with my grandmother when she passed away and that left a big impression on me. That was probably almost about 20 years ago, maybe a little less, um, 15. But um, yeah, so- um, I've always kind of been drawn to um, the balance of life and death and that and that process of grief. And there's a lot that we don't say about grief. It's kind of a um, an unspoken thing that happens to all of us. Mm, absolutely. And and so it sounds like it, a lot of the mental health interest, as it does for many, many people who become coaches or speakers or um, work in the area, came out of your own experience when you were young. And then that kind of expanded to include the end of life care and really supporting people in all the different stages of what they're going through. Um, is that, um, when you were going through that as a child, uh, often when, when we're coming through that initially, we don't have the kind of support that we want and or people who understand it or get it is that a big part of what motivated you to want to work with people to be able to help them from a perspective of someone who understands yeah i think so and i i feel like i got a lot of that support at school i i always i wasn't great at school i didn't get i wasn't a straight a student but i loved school like i had um, I didn't have like a ton of friends, but I was kind of, you know, friendly with a lot of people. Um, but I really loved spending time with the teachers and everything. And now I work in a middle school and high school. I just love the school experience. And I did my internship at a college and their counseling center. I've always been drawn to working with younger people in the school setting. Cause I think I just really loved school. 
Well, and I think there's obviously a lot of kids that are dealing with a lot of issues now. I mean, it's especially in the US, there are so many school shootings and that has impacted the culture a lot. Uh, so I would imagine kids are a whole lot more stressed in general about school than they ever used to be. Um, and dealing with the grief of loss. And uh, even if it's not in their school, there's still an impact on them from that. Um, so what's one of the, we'll, we're gonna talk a little bit about, you know, in a minute about how to talk to people about grief, but let's start with young people. Um, let's start with that because it's a lot of what you do. What are some of the mistakes that people make when they have kids that might be struggling or have grief? What are some of the mistakes they make? So it might be parents, teachers, friends, siblings, anybody. When, they're, when they've got kids that are struggling, what do they often kind of overlook or do wrong? I would say the number one thing is not talking about it, just sweeping it under the rug, pretending like it's not happening. And I think a lot of people do that from their own discomfort, their own discomfort. It is uncomfortable. It can be awkward, but I think there's this fear that um, a lot of people have that they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to bother the bereaved person. They don't want to offend them. Um, but sometimes I think saying nothing at all is worse than saying the wrong thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're a teen or a teen in your life is struggling and they seem to be, you know, perhaps acting out or moody or whatever, what's a, what are some ways to broach that conversation? I think that, I think just ripping off the bandaid and sitting down and saying, listen, I know this is uncomfortable. I don't have the right words to say, but I know this is difficult. I know this is hard and I'm here. If you want to talk about it, I'm here for you. And I think it's important that a lot of people put pressure on themselves to say the exact right thing, to know what to say, but not only that, but they put this unrealistic pressure on themselves. Like you're not going to take that pain away. There's nothing that you're going to say that is going to resolve that pain and take it away. So just going in, knowing that, that you're just going in as a support and you can't fix the problem. You can't make the grief go away. It's there. And it's depending on the level of grief, it could be there for a lifetime. For some people, grief is it's a journey and there there's no cure. There's no timeline. It's not like, Oh, next week, you're going to feel hundred percent better. We're going to move on from this. And that brings up my other point. I think that something that people kind of, I don't think it's intentional, but when there's um, just speaking about grief and the way of death, when there's a death, people show up a lot at first, but then after a few weeks, a few months, those people disappear and they're not there as a support. So I would say it's important to keep checking in, whether it's a teen in your life, whether it's a friend, a family member, keep checking in, um, remembering those important dates. Like, I know this was your mom's birthday. Like I'm thinking of you today, um, trying to lend support in that way. And just really being open to the conversation and if you are somebody that you have a bereaved person in your life, teen, adult, whatever the case may be, and you're feeling uncomfortable, seek out support for yourself because I, I don't think people want to be that person that's not there for their loved one, but sometimes people really, they, they struggle with that. They struggle with death. They struggle with the discomfort of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, what I actually do, especially with the people that are close to me, is I put in my calendar for about five, four, five, six months later, 
to check in with them. Mm -hmm. And again, at eight months and again, at 12 months, and especially on the anniversaries mm -hmm. and the person's birthday, if so, if it's, you know, their mom died on the day they died and also on the, their birth, their mom's birthday, if, if I know that, which, you know, I'm talking about people who are close to me and friends and stuff. Um, because otherwise I forget out of sight, out yes. of mind, but it's fresh and alive for them at those times. And if I didn't put it in my calendar, I wouldn't remember to do it. So that really helps me to kind of support them. Like you said, beyond the first couple of weeks, which is when most people disappear. Um, so have you noticed, or in your studies, do you find that, um, kids, men and women grieve differently? Do they need different approaches? What's the difference between how, um, you know, younger people, women and men grieve? Yeah, I would say so. I think for kids and teens in particular, I think um, they don't, I don't know if any of us do, but they don't have a full concept of death. And so, especially when you're talking about little kids, they don't really understand what that means exactly. Like they know what death is, they've heard of it, but they don't always have that permanence. You know, I think they struggle with the permanence, but a lot of teens and kids act out their emotions. So you might be seeing different things like irritability, tantrums, a lot of, um, you know, maybe cursing, acting out at school. They, some, some kids act out, especially younger boys, I find act out physically. So you might be seeing an uptick in those kind of different behaviors and, not to say that those behaviors are okay, especially if they're, they're harmful towards themselves or other people, but just knowing that it's coming from a place of sadness, a place of grief and address it from that lens rather than a disciplinary lens. Yeah. And often that doesn't happen right away. It's, mm -hmm. I think it kicks in after a little while, right? Because they're dealing or coping or numb or whatever for a while. And then the anger surfaces afterwards. So it might not be right away. Um, and is there a difference in how men and women handle grief? It's so interesting because I think that, I don't know about particularly men versus women, but just people versus other people, there's such a big difference. And I don't know if you've probably a lot of people in the audience who are listening have heard this, but um, there's a statistic. I don't know the number exactly, but after a couple loses a child, it's like a super, super high probability that they get divorced, that they separate because they grieve in different ways and they don't see eye to eye. And I even have, you know, a personal experience, people in my life, I know were grieving in different ways and it caused a lot of conflict mm. um, because some people will think, well, I'm grieving in this way. You're grieving in that way. You're obviously not as, as heartbroken as me or as, as impacted by me and you're being selfish, this kind of thing. So people do grieve differently and it does cause some conflict or ripples in the relationships because of that. So yeah, it's actually really interesting um, that a lot of couples do separate after the death of a child. Well, and I think, you know, in our society still, men are still socialized not to cry, mm -hmm. to, you know, it's seen as soft or, or whatever, to be stoic, to be, to suck up their feelings. And I, of the people that I, the men that I have seen grieve, many of them get cold. They just shut down. Mm -hmm. And then that either turns into depression, because when we suppress, it often goes to depression in my experience, or they get cold or distant because they just don't have permission to feel the feelings and let them come out, right? Whereas women tend to be encouraged to be more expressive. So mm -hmm. if you're a friend or a family member of someone who's going through grieving, 
whether it's the loss of a spouse or the loss of a pet or the loss of a person, whatever it may be, the loss of a job, what are some of the best ways to, to talk to them? What are some conversation starters? What are some ways to just kind of be available and supportive? Yeah. So I would say there are definitely, um, there are some go-to phrases that people go to that I find in my experience aren't so helpful. Things like they're in a better place, like God had a plan for them, talking a lot about religion. Not everybody subscribes to the same religious beliefs or beliefs about death. So I'd probably steer away from those kind of things. Um, just in my experience, I've heard it makes some people uncomfortable. They don't have that belief, um, you know? So I think there are things that you could say. Again, I, I'm here for you. I don't exactly know what to say. Uh, but I'm here. If you, I would say a big thing is time, like spending time checking in with people saying, I'm thinking of you, you know, I've, I have you on my heart. I have you on my mind. I'm here for you and, and doing things that are helpful as well. I find that are really great that I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go to somebody who's in the grieving process and say, let me know how I can help you. That's almost like an extra burden and a chore for them to figure out how you can help them do little things. Uh, people that are struggling with grief, especially if it's a big grief, like a loss of a parent, loss of a partner. I mean, those, a spouse, those are huge things. It causes people to have trouble functioning. So if you can go over and say, I'm going to babysit for you. I'm going to take your kids for the day. I'm going to take your dog for a walk, dropping off food. They have these websites now, like this meal train website that you could sign up for meals or send gift cards to restaurants, things like that, you know, uh, go and mow the lawn, do things that are practical, but not exactly like that you have to ask what to do, but again, just saying, I'm here for you. I'm coming over one day this week. Let me know when you're free. I'm going to bring by dinner and a movie and we could spend time together. You know, just, just being there for the person is so important. Cause I think when with grief, just even though we all experience it at some point, it's such an isolating feeling. It's such an isolating thing to go through. And, you know, I, I think that people really just struggle with that and they're uncomfortable and it's okay to say, I don't know what to say, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there for you. Okay. I like that. And, and I like that idea of the, the meal train. Do you know the name of the site or is there resources that people can use to, to about grief or supporting people who are in grieving? Yeah, I think the meal train train website is literally it's like mealtrain.com or .org or something. But if you Google it, it'll come up and you could start a meal train. Um, we do it at work, you know, a good amount, you know, I've gotten a few of those at work when there's been a coworker that had a loss that they'll um the admin or whoever will set up um the meal train and you just sign up your email or whatever and the person's address and um and then you just send it out and people could just like sign up for dates and they'll put in like, I'm going to drop off a casserole this day or for this day, it goes by date. And it's like this day I sent a, um, you know, a gift card for this restaurant that they could, you know, order takeout or Uber Eats or whatever. Okay. I like that. Um, and so are there resources that you would refer people to in terms of sites or books that you would recommend? Um, if someone is grieving, what's a good resource for them to look up or to go to? Mm, so I will have to get you the link, but there, there's one that I, I really love just again, working with kids. Um, I could get you his name, but there's this, um, 
this, um, I think he's a therapist, but he created coloring books for kids for different situations for different um, deaths. And I just, I just love it. And they're just a few dollars on his website. Um, but you can um, either get it in the mail or download it, um, I believe. But there's one about pet loss. There's one about the loss of parents. There's one about the loss of grandparents. And I used those a lot um, with kiddos that I've worked with. I think it's such a great resource and it tells kind of like a story and talks about feelings and you could color in the picture of like the family, the pet, whatever the case may be. So I, re I really love that. Um, but I would say for, for me, I really love, um, I'm a big like movie person again, TV show person. Um, so there's a show that I love with Elizabeth Olsen called sorry for your loss. And it's actually on Facebook. It's a Facebook show. So it's on, yeah, it's very interesting. So it's on Facebook watch, but, um, it's such a just powerful, powerful show. And it talks about, um, she goes to group therapy for the loss of her husband and she talks about the feelings and about how people weren't there for her and having those uncomfortable conversations. And uh, there was just this scene where a friend, you know, she had a falling out with a friend and they said, I'm sorry, I didn't go to his funeral. I don't do, I, I get uncomfortable at funerals. And she was like, everybody's uncomfortable at funerals. Like I needed you. And it was just it, a lot of feelings. And it was just oh, such a good watch. And I think if anybody, and it's so great too, because it's on Facebook. It's so interesting next to like you watching the episode, people are commenting about their losses and how the show really like resonates with them. And I just, I just love that. I always recommend that. I think it's such I a great watch and community. I didn't even know there were shows on Facebook. I think there's only like two or three. I think they dropped it, but that was one of them. And it was, it was phenomenal. That's so cool. Um, is it Dr. Wolfelt? Is that the, cause I found there's a. Oh, it sounds familiar. That must be Dr. it. That must be it. Dr. Wolfelt, W-O-L-F-E-L-T, uh, PhD. He has a bunch of coloring books for grieving children and, and a loss of a pet and so forth. Yeah, and that must be it. I found that was on something called the Center for Loss and Life Transition, but it's centerforloss.com. Um, and his books are in the bookstore. There are probably other places, but there's other books there as well. So the centerforloss.com. Um, uh, speaking of support, so what are some of the ways that you support people in the in this process? Do you do you have resources? Do you do coaching? What what do you do? Yeah, well, I so I just opened my private practice. Um, so people, if they are in the state of Colorado, that's where I'm licensed. If they needed help going through grief. So I do, um, do pet loss. I do grief of, you know, whatever kind of grief, whether it's a job, a family member, but yeah, um, definitely. Um, if you need to see, sometimes we do need to seek out therapy for these losses. Um, so I support in that way. Um, I do have a few podcast episodes about grief. I do have a lot of blogs on my website about grief. So you could definitely go check those out. I have blogs about how to honor the life of your loved one that has passed. So I would say if you want any resources like that, any tangible things that you can do with your grief. Um, for example, my cat just passed away about a month ago and I have a whole little memorial set up to her. So I think I have things like that on my website that you could find. Okay. And so tell us what the name of your podcast is. So my podcast is The Wellness Project with Des, and you can find that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Okay, awesome. And what's your website? Accordingtodes.com. Okay, and Des, D-E-S, right? Yes, D-E-S, so, that's my nickname. Mm -hmm. Accordingtodes.com is your website. And then your email is probably on your website or a way to get in touch with you, right? Yeah. And you can message me anywhere. You can message me on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, my 
email is info at according to des.com. You could email me there. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. All right. Awesome. And um, you also have a free gift for people. What's tell me about that. Yeah. So I have a weekly wellness checklist that you can easily download a PDF. So it's a list of things for your overall, your whole wellness that you can do each week. Um, could check it off. It's a nice little checklist that you can, can download each week. So that is at bit.ly forward slash four, three, three, a S four G. Okay. Say it one more time slowly. Bits.ly forward slash four, three, three, a S four G. I'm new to bit.ly and that is the link it gave me. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's also on my website. You could easily find it on my website or in my Facebook group. Okay. Awesome. And so that's a great resource to go and get. And, and really, I think, you know, from my experience uh, and having dealt with lots of losses myself and other people who have lost one of the, the things that I think is probably the most important is to call in support. You don't know what you want or what need, but to actually get help. And so um, what would you say to people who are going through grieving around finding someone and someone to help them? What's a, what's a way to think about that so that it's more accessible? Yeah. So there are actually a lot of different things you can do. Um, just with the internet now, it's just, it's just amazing. There are um, hotlines you can call or text and you could easily just Google, you know, grief support hotline, a bunch will come up. There's pet loss support groups. I offer pet loss support. If you want to go through for therapy, I would recommend you could go on psychology today and just type in your particular issue. So again, today we're talking about grief. So type in grief or grief, grief and loss, loss of a pet and therapists in your area, or if it's virtual will come up or you can call your insurance company and they should be able to give you a list of therapists that specialize in the issue that you are, that are looking for support with. Yeah. And, and what I would, you know, really encourage people is, um, we are so used to just kind of getting on with things and getting mm -hmm. and and often and especially women we tend to just have so much to do and so many to take care of that we tend to put our feelings and our needs and our grief at the back mm -hmm. and so what i would really say is give yourself permission to not put a deadline not to not have to be done now and to 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 call in more support than you think you need for longer than you think you need it. Yeah. Because it is not something that, you know, it's like, okay, I've had three sessions. I should be through this now. It's a different journey for every single person. And I really think if we don't process it, it tends to turn into dis-ease or issues or problems or, and in most cases, just a as, as if when we suppress, it just creates that depressed feeling and that kind mm -hmm. of, you know, flatness in life. Many, many, many of the people that I've worked with, when they say, I have this great life, how come I'm not happy? We can almost always trace it back to unfelt and unresolved grief or trauma mm -hmm. that is still just kind of hanging around and like an anchor. And so um, don't rush, don't rush. There's no deadline. On yep. it yeah. comes in waves for sure. Yeah. And it's, and it's a really wonderful part of being alive because it means you cared enough about someone and they mattered. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you wouldn't be grieving someone or exactly. something. Exactly. Right? 
and and also to really grieve things that are not people and plant you know people and animals like the loss of a job I had a car that was destroyed. I loved that car. It was like I was in a car accident. And so it was traumatic for me. But I forgot that I actually needed to grieve the loss of the car because I loved the car, right? It meant so many things to me. Um, And so it was also the loss of those those notions and those feelings. So, So yeah, it's not... It's not something to step over in our lives. What's one last thing you'd like to leave everyone with on this topic? Yeah, I would say piggyback off of what you said that there's no timeline when it comes to grief. And I would say be kind to yourself. And with this, it's just, it's an uncomfortable feeling and it will pass. It does come in waves. You will get through it. I know it feels like it's the end of the world and it is the end of a chapter for Mm -hmm. sure. But be kind to yourself. And like you said, reach out for support because sometimes it comes back and it definitely can cause some depression and other issues in your life and interfere in your functioning. So don't be afraid to reach out for support and talk about it because we're talking about it now, which is great, but a lot of people don't talk about it. But I find that once you do start talking about your grief, a lot of people can relate and can contribute a lot to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it is a part of where we connect as human beings. And we need so much more of that connection. So we do this both in the joys and in the sorrows. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for the work that you do. It's so important for people to be able to ground and give permission for and guide people in these kinds of difficult conversations and to just make it okay. Another part of life, you know, that it's not awful and weird and strange and to be locked in a closet. It's just part of life. So thank you so much for the work that you do and your passion for it and for being here today, Desiree. Yeah, thank you. This was great. Take care, everybody. And I hope that if you are having a rough week or struggling, uh, that you do call in support. There are so many resources available for you. Don't suffer in silence. If you're having a bodacious week, great. Rock on, my friend. And call in support for celebrating that, too. We can always use more support. All right, take care. Have a bodacious week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, comment, and share. Now go be the difference only you can be.